Hello and welcome to Neither the Time or the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who, Sarah Jane Adventures and, unfortunately, Torchwood. My name is David and, as always, I am joined by the tender Matt. Hello there. Oh, I like, I like tenderness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a meat pun, so don't, don't be that flattered by it. Mm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so we're doing two episodes, mm-hmm. as is as is now the the plan. We talk with uh, Torchwood later on. We're going to be talking about to the last man, and uh, as alluded to earlier, meat. But before we get there, Matt, um, how have the last few days been treating you? Uh, terrible, because I've been watching Torchwood. <laughs> Uh, what for like uh, a week straight oh no just the last couple of days i i i know i've got a fortnight to watch it i know i should space it out but it's always last minute Mm. let's watch torchwood i i know we like to play our cards close to our chest and not reveal what we Mm. thought about the episode but uh i stand by the text message i sent you yesterday um i think i think it's only fair i read it to the Read it to the listeners. Yeah. Um, feel f- feel free. Torchwood is fucking dire. Mm. I, I, I wasn't really in much of a position to present an alternative view there. Mm. Don't worry. It, it, don't worry, um, David. It, it gets good in season three. Oh, I'm so sick of hearing that. Oh, <laughs> just stick with it, guys. Season <laughs> Series three is when it gets good. The only, the only aspects of series three that are keeping me going and and making me want to give it a go is there are three things I know about it. I know that it is serialized, which is different and interesting because one of the complaints we've had with Torchwood so far is the complete uh, failure to pull off any kind of meaningful season arc. Um, I know that it's it is only five episodes. That's that's certainly in its favour yeah. compared to the but, thirteen. But by episodes the time we get there, David, having watched all of series one yeah. and series two, we'll have lost pretty much twenty four hours of our life to Torchwood. I know. It's not it's not on really, is it? No, but um, oh, series three is great. Stick with it. The, we and love the other thing three. that I was going to mention, the th- yeah, yeah. Well, the the other thing about series three that I know is that Peter Capaldi's in it, and I've personally yet to see anything that Peter Capaldi's in that has not been elevated by his presence. Now, I suppose whilst we're on topic, there's been some Doctor Who news this week. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Trailers left, right and centre. Well... Uh, I mean, uh, one, one I trailer yeah, that... Been, you know. Yeah. One, one proper trailer and, and a few little teasery bits and bobs. Mm. Yeah, how how are you feeling about um, the the upcoming 60th specials, I, Matt? I, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. I, I, I think it's time we go back to Doctor Who. We we've missed I'm it. I'm so ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. I I was <laughs> spreadsheet nerd that I am. Out of curiosity, 
I made made <laughs> when I had a bit of a quiet spell at work last week. I quickly cobbled together a spreadsheet of the um, starting and ending broadcast dates for um, every series, classic and modern, and uh, also chucked all the specials in there and used that as a means of calculating the, the gaps in days um, between... Uh, what, what, what are basically the longest gaps that we've had to wait between... Uh, Doctor Who broadcasts, whether that's between series or between a series and a special. Um, and this is, I, it was a while ago now, and I should have, I should have pulled it up, but I, I didn't think to. Um, I think this was like the third or fourth longest wait ever oh, between really? the Power of the Doctor and the and the sixtieth anniversary, assuming that they air on the twenty third of November, because that was an assumption on my part, because we don't have official uh-huh. dates yet. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's certainly one of the longest when I think it was second only to um, Trial of a Time Lord. Uh, the, the, okay. So the, the gap between um, the first and second of the uh, Colin Baker series. Yeah. The second of which is Trial of a Time Lord. So there was like over a year between those two. Um, and there's a little over a year between, because it was October of last year was the Power of the Doctor, and it'll be November of this year that's the 60th. So in terms of when the show was technically still in production, it's one of the longest gaps we've had. Um, That was a very long-winded way of saying that, wasn't it, Matt? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I thought that was interesting because it's like, on the one hand, you think, oh, it's only a year. It feels like a long time. Yeah. It's still six months away from it. I I think towards the end of the Chibnall era, we were ready for a change anyway, weren't we? Mm. Yeah, so there's definitely some buzz. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm still... I'm lukewarm on this approach of it just being back to the RTD glory days, you know, uh-huh. we've got, we've got the old production team back. We've got, um, a, a doctor and a companion from that period. We've got Murray gold coming back as the composer. And I'm just like, for me, one of the great joys of doctor who is its ability to always change and go in new directions. Yeah. And, I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, you know, looking back, especially for an anniversary, but I much prefer it when it's looking back at the show in its totality. This, to me, it almost comes across like RTD saying, "Oh, wasn't my era era wonderful? This is what everybody loves. It, who cares about the rest of it?" Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the actual intention of it. It's just it's the way it comes across to me at points. I'm still excited. I'm still hoping that I like the episodes themselves because at the end of the day, that's all I want. I just want good Doctor Who. But I'm not someone who's cock a hoop at the idea of David Tennant coming back. It's you know, out of all of the modern Doctors, he's the one that you can't really make the argument that he left us wanting more. Did did we know that he's doing three specials? 
Yes. Right. Yeah. But we've got titles. There is some speculation. We do. We do have titles. Do you want to? Do you want to hit me with the titles? The Star Beast. Yeah. What do you think that's now, do about? Do you know what that's? Well, there is a pretty well-renowned um, Doctor Who magazine comic strip from like the original run. I think it was like for the first sort of year or so the the artist was Dave Gibbons mm-hmm. of uh you know Watchmen fame um and i think it was like during his run on it and it was the the strip that introduced beat the meep okay. as a character and we know beat the meep is appearing in um uh, in, in the specials What's unclear is whether RTD will take the approach of Beat the Meat being established but just never seen on screen before, or whether he will go down the route of almost introducing, like having the Doctor behave as though he's never met Beat the Meat before. Uh I'm hoping for the former, but that might be a bit alienating for viewers. He might have to go down the latter route of basically treating it as though it's a new character and a new concept. Mm-hmm. Because if you've only ever watched the TV show, it will be. What about Wild Blue um, Yonder? I've got much less to say about that. It has been um, said in Doctor Who magazine, I think, that so far none of the promotional material has shown a single second of footage from that second special. They're keeping it very, very tightly under wraps. Um, and they've they, uh, the same is true in this trailer because they use the sort of glitchy effect during that section. Yeah. So um, if, if other past Doctors were going to appear, that is perhaps the one where it is most likely to occur. Um, and then so yeah. we have the giggle, the giggle, which I'm going to be honest, I don't love as a title. No, me neither. It, it especially not for an anniversary special. I I really would have preferred uh, the something of something, you know, a real classic kind of uh, Doctor Who title, which this sadly was not. So, so, having tied up Doctor Who news, I don't think I actually told you what mm-hmm. I've been up to this week. I think I just... No, what have you been up to, Matt? Um, well, other than spending a lot of money to put some new tyres on my car, um, yeah. I went and watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3. How did you find that? Best of, no spoilers, best of the bunch for me. What, best, best Guardians movie? Yeah. And up there in terms of best Marvel, it, it's it's good. Excellent. I um I don't want to hear any more than that to be honest, because I've been studiously avoiding spoilers, reviews, and things of any kind. Um, I'm unlikely to get an opportunity to see it at the cinema. Um, I have a sort of plan in mind that towards the end of this year, when I've got some time off around Christmas, I'm going to be resubscribing to Disney Plus because I'm cancelled at the moment because I just don't have the time for it. Uh, um, I'll just give I'm you ba- my login. What's going to happen? The Disney police going to come <laughs> and get us. <laughs> Bloody Mickey and Donald um, kick down the door. Goofy there with a cricket yeah. bat. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I, I'm basically planning on doing a bit of a Marvel binge at the end of the year, and just catching up on all all the shows and uh, films from this year, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, it does mean I'm having to be quite, quite studious about just dodging spoilers for all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, then, excellent. Then um, I'm, than, I'm glad you had a good time. Other than that, I've treated myself, David, to, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go watch Professor Brian Cox give a lecture on space. Oh, Excellent. Uh, I went and saw him before. You be honest. Go on, sorry. I was just going to say, let's be honest, though. Um, He's talked a lot about space at this point. Do you think he's really got anything new to say about it? Um, I mean, I think so. I think He must have covered it by this point, right? It's not that big. I think last time I saw him, so I've been to one of his lectures before, and I think Mm -hmm. it was before they turned on the Hadron Collider. Uh, right. So maybe he's just going to talk about what that's like. It's possible. But anyway, I, I was being facetious there, obviously. Space is uh, infinite and fascinating. And, and terrifying. Uh, Brian Cox. Yeah. 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 Especially, especially like... Um, God, I'm so... Uh, I've been getting really into, like, black hole science. Okay. In, in, in the recent years. Not in any, like... I, I'm, I'm not in that I'm suddenly an astrophysicist and I understand it, but the, the the amount to which I don't understand it is fascinating to have, me. Have you ever seen the film like, the Event fa- Horizon? Um, I haven't. I'm very aware of it, but oh, I... I was going to try and trick what you I really need to see. It was like a scientific documentary and not a really yeah, I have watched the documentary... Horror. I can't remember what it's called now, but I have watched a documentary which was following the team that uh, put together the experiment to uh, create the first ever image of a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know, fascinating. Uh, just the fact that they that in black hole science they have a term called spaghettification. Yeah. Which is just um, brilliant and horrifying <laughs> in equal measure. I don't know about you, but I'm quite happy to have never been spaghettified up until this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it's a bad way to go. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'm sure there'll be, there'll be a billion other reasons why you'd be dead long before you, you uh, yeah. uh, cross the event horizon into a black hole. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yes, yes, space is cool. And then I'm jealous. The big news <laughs> is we're sat here recording this whilst I could be playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, yeah, three for three on the on the jealousy front here. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it arrived today. I went to York this weekend, yeah. and I I just don't yeah. think computer game shops exist anymore. No, I mean, why would they, Matt? We there's this little thing. I mean, it might never catch on. Who knows? But um, a few of my friends have been getting into it recently. It's called the internet. No, I, when it comes to computer games, yeah. I'm a solid digital. <laughs> not digital. That's the opposite. 
just a solid yeah. media kind of guy. I remember in York, right? The, yeah. There used to be the holy trinity of game, game station, and electronics boutique. And then if you went around the corner, mm. there was a second game. And now, <laughs> I, there's a shitty old CEX that you can't buy new games from. Yeah. So I had to Amazon it. Yeah. It arrived today. Um, we're recording early, so I can have an early finish and go play it. Mm. I worked at a branch of game once, you know. I don't think you've ever told me that. <laughs> it was only for a few uh, few months um, when I was sort of between things. Um, it was uh, it was a branch in Plymouth, which I'm pretty sure is closed down now. Well, I went into game um, in York again, maybe a couple of months ago, which I believe was closing down. And again, it just didn't sell games. It just had Funko Pops and energy drinks. Oh, God. Funko Pops. Where did yeah. it all go wrong uh, for game? Well, I've got a couple <laughs> of suggestions. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I do sort of miss it. I'm not going to lie. I, I I miss being able to, you know, go into a brick-and-mortar shop and, and browse games. But like, and, uh, imagine if I had a shop and but, it was called We Sell Big Crows and someone was like, hello, I, I'm a ornithologist and crows are my favourite. I'd like to buy a big crow. And I said, oh, actually, no, yeah. we just sell Funko Pops and energy drinks. <laughs> Makes about as much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you could get a Funko Cop, uh, Pop of the Crow there? Or do you think... Would you not carry that particular one? Uh, do you mean the film The Crow or just a Funko yeah. Pop of a Crow? No, ju- no. I mean th- as in the film The Crow. Because uh, presumably there's a Funko Pop of that. I'm just going to quickly check on Amazon. Funko Pop, The Crow, Brandon Lee. Uh, no, if you Google that, it... Gives you the Funko Pop for Geralt from The Witcher. Oh, that's disappointing. It's a weird selection it gives you. It gives you The Witcher. It gives you Slash from Guns N' Roses. Uh, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, the Formula One race car driver. I'm sorry, who the fuck is buying a Funko Pop of Lewis Hamilton? I don't know. And then it gives you one of, one of the... Uh, Monsters from Hellraiser, so... Oh. Yeah. I don't get it. Funko Pops. Do you you have any Funko Pops, Matt? No. I I have something like a Funko Pop of Mm. Wolverine from X-Men that one of my friends gave me from Christmas one year, and I think it's because he'd signed up to Loot Crate and didn't buy me anything for Christmas, so he just gave me that. Ah... I see. Bit of sneaky re-gifting. Yeah. Yeah. Loot Crate exclusive being printed on the box was a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Look, we're nearly 25 minutes in. I haven't asked oh. how your week's been. Mm. Bought some new slippers. Oh, I, I've got slippers on at the moment. What have you gone for? Yeah. Have you got an open back or a closed heel? Um, it's a closed heel, but quite a quite a shallow one. Ooh, what sort of um, fabric are we talking? I, we are talking felt. Uh, like, uh, prob- okay, have you heard of... Because, uh, uh, okay, sorry. I'll try. I'll have another run up at that sentence, Matt. I okay. need to edit that. Sorry. Um, 
to be clear, Matt, I've not just popped down to Tesco's and bought myself uh, a make-do pair of slippers. I've I spent more money on slippers than uh, it, with with this purchase than I think I generally spend on shoes in a given year. Um, I bought myself a pair of Glirup uh, Scandinavian slippers. So they are suede soles, wool felt fabric, and they are the best best thing I've bought all year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, the, my, my justification for it is working largely from home. Um, they're effectively my work shoes. Oh, nice. So I, I, that's not to rub it into anyone who doesn't work from home. But I felt like I could justify the expense a bit more because I'd, I'd previously been battling away with a pair um, that were technically given to my partner, but she didn't wear them, so she said I could have them. But they disintegrated in the space of about three months, and I was just like, this is not sustainable for me or the planet, so I'm going to buy myself some really nice quality slippers. Mm. And, uh, yeah. See, mine... It's, it's one of those, I don't think I could go back at this point. Mine... I think this is me I, done. I think the material, I'd describe it as like a thick corduroy. And oh right, I know the it, sort. It, oh, yeah. it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, I do like a good slipper. Mm. So, um, listener, but, if you yeah. want to give us, yeah. you know, your opinion on slippers, feel free to send it to. Is it cloisterbellpod at gmail dot com? Yeah, that's our email. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone someone will pick it up down the line. Yeah. Um, so what do you want to do next? Yeah. Food or music? We, like <clears throat> we're so lazy, David. Right? We never explain anything on this pod. We just assume everyone's <laughs> been listening forever. <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable at this point. It 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 would astound me if anyone's right. like tuning in for the first. Don't time let me forget. Now. Next episode, yeah. Soft reboot. I'm going to explain everything. <laughs> okay. Right. Not this. Not this week, though. No, no, it's too late. This is, like, <laughs> this episode's damned. But next week, it, we'll, we'll call it the pilot. Well, It'll be like when Bill comes in, and we'll just reintroduce mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so, for this week, I, I don't know, it's kind of a two-for-one for me. Okay. Because it, 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 it all kind of happened simultaneously. So, um... Where do you want to start, Matt? Let's go food first. Okay. Tell me, what's been your highlight? Um. So, yesterday it was my niece's birthday. And I have an agreement with my niece and my nephew that just whatever they want, I'll get them for their birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, my niece said she wanted a day out, just the two of us. Um, it's going to be oh. half term in a couple of weeks. So we'll do that then. But she also said she wanted a cake as big as her head. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm, yep. I'm going to ping you a quick message here, David. Just a little picture for you mm-hmm. to 
observe, because I think it's mission accomplished. Uh, it should be with you anytime soon. Just loading it now. Oh my, yeah, that's... That is not just a, a, a big in circumference, that is tall. Yeah, yeah. That's a skyscraper of a cake. So, it's this company. I don't know if it's a nationwide. Uh, mm -hmm. Although I have seen them as far south as Leeds. Okay. Um, and it's a company called Batched that make big brownies and cheesecakes. Uh, but that is a Kinder Bueno cookie bowl that's supposed to feed Whoa. two people. Now, uh -huh. now there were seven of us there, uh, and we didn't finish uh -huh. it between us. Wow. Uh, so it's a big bowl made of cookie. Then it's full of Kinder Bueno and cookie dough and white chocolate. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was it was sickly, David. It was good, but it was sickly. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it, it sounds um, positively hedonistic. Yeah. Because uh, the alternative for my meal of the fortnight was, whilst we were having lunch at my brother's house for my niece's birthday, my mum made me, you know those little cocktail sausages? I know the ones, right? yeah. Get a handful of them, uh -huh. a squirt of tomato sauce, mm -hmm. some egg mayonnaise, and just put it in a wrap. Oh, it was nice. Simple, but <laughs> nice. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with party food, can you? No, no. I love a party tea. Um, yeah. What about you? What's your, your meal of the fortnight been? Okay. Right, Matt. I'm going to tell you two things that I think are going to shock you. Are you. So, are you ready? I am. I'm sitting comfortably. On Saturday evening, I watched Eurovision. Oh, good grief. I watched, and... I watched Torchwood, and it was preferable to Eurovision. <laughs> and, Matt, here's the, here's the excellent twist. I had a really good time oh my God. watching Eurovision. Oh, God. <laughs> I have never watched it in my life before. Never even considered it. But my partner, about a month ago, just said to me, hey, do you want to watch Eurovision this year? I was like, I would never have thought to. But you know what? Sure, we've got nothing else going on at the moment. Let's. It's a date. And so we decided, um, assuming that, you know, what limited takeaway options uh, actually deliver to us will all be kind of rammed on, on uh, Eurovision evening, uh, we basically bought in everything we'd need to do a uh, pizza takeaway at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had myself a vegetarian meat feast pizza. Well, I, took, I, got, a, I got a regular uh, pizza because I've it's, it's a very long time since I've had anything that would be in the vicinity of like a meat feast style pizza. Um, so I, but I had like, too many different veggie meat options and just threw them all on there, uh, which was great. Had mozzarella sticks. We made our own uh, garlic dipping sauce. It was a grand old time. Wow. 
which of course brings me on to uh, our second segment. Um, that's besides the point. Oh no! Oh. Go my my genuine uh, song of the week of the fortnight, one that I have listened to more than any other. Because I cannot exercise it from my brain, no matter how hard I try, was Norway's entry, which I think came in fourth or fifth overall. Didn't do brilliantly, but didn't do appallingly either. Uh, Queen of Kings by Alessandra. Okay. Um, it, it has what I can only describe as a sort of Viking slash pirate EDM vibe. Right. It's just like dis disco pirate queen music. Um, it's it was surprisingly excellent, and uh, I would also point listeners if if you're if you're not on board with anything that's too in the sort of uh, dancey pop vein, um, there is a pretty decent attempt at a uh, metal cover of it um, by uh, a chap on YouTube by the name of Sindre Miskja. So if you search for Queen of Kings Metal, it's the first hit. Uh, he, he lays down a pretty good solo in it. Um, yeah, it, and it works really, really well as a sort of symphonic, you know, pirate metal tune. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good time. I'm not saying it's the greatest song ever. It definitely isn't. But it's catchy as hell. And it really stood out from uh, a lot of the other stuff in Eurovision. And... Yeah, I, I think I'm a Eurovision fan now, Matt. I think, I think I'm going to be watching it again next year. Wow, I, I just didn't see that coming. No, <laughs> I didn't. It's come as a surprise to all of us. Right. Well, I, I'm going to follow suit. If you've done the music you've listened to most, I'm going to do the yeah. same, and I'm going to put the music. You listen to when you're on hold to Aviva Car Insurance. Because <laughs> uh, I've given that a, some listen this week. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. Let me have a look, see what I have been listening to, seriously. Um, I bought tickets to go see We Are Scientists. They're playing in York in a couple of months. That'd be nice. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I've just been listening to a bit of everything. Should I just press shuffle on my music and see what comes up? Go for it. Uh, let me see. What about... Hold on, my phone's just taking a second to load up. What about Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon? But you've already told me in podcasts in the past you hate that song. Uh, I, no, I haven't. I think you said, it's who fine. is that? And then listened to it and went, oh, it's okay, it's not great. Right, I'm going to go for George McRae, Rock You Baby. That is a great soul song from, like, the, I think the late 80s. It used to play in the cinema in town when it was open. And now the cinema in town is some sort of batty reform church. And uh, there's a new (laughs) new cinema opens in town next week. Oh, very exciting. That's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Can't wait to not go there because it'll be full of all the kids from work. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you've you you you've you've got your usual routine with the cinema, haven't you? So, yeah, you, early morning. You're not in the market for a new cinema. Go for it. <laughs> My shoes were off when I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Right now, David. Yeah, I I, I kind of assumed to be honest, but um, yes, hello, Matt. Okay, so we we haven't had any listener tweets this week. I've put a few messages out, but nobody replied. Ah, mm. oh, fair enough. Is it finally time Can't say them. that we talk about Beneath Summerfield as a stopgap just to fill in this void? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do if you like. Like um, uh, desperate times, we... desperate measures. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, oh, bear with me. Sorry, I'm just gonna have to help little Zorbs. Man, I was, I was really pining for some Benice Summerfield. Really. I just need to get it out. need to get it out of my system. We've been planning this for so long. So long now. Right then, Matt. Sorry about that. No, no problem. The good news is, in the time you were yeah. away, we've actually had a couple of tweets. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, so, after we joked about it, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mark, good yeah. old Mark Cockrum, nicest guy in podcasting from the All of Time and Space mm-hmm. podcast, says, after we joked about it, did we ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Mm, I don't think I have yet. I heard no. you did last night when you were watching Eurovision. <laughs> I guess you could interpret it that way. Right. Uh, James Swifty Swift says, do you have something that everyone seems to universally hate that you will defend or something everyone seems to universally love that you hate? Um, universally is... Uh, I, 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 I need to not take that completely literally. Otherwise, the answer is probably no, because, you know... It's it's easy, especially these days, to find even if you've got a very niche interest, to find a few like-minded folk who feel similarly to you. I'd say probably the nearest thing is some of the more extreme avant-garde music that I listen to that appeals to a very very niche crowd. You know, I've been um, on uh, Duolingo this week teaching myself Zool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean certainly some of the, i mean these days magma themselves have got a pretty decent following but when you when you dig into the the more obscure stuff you know i'm um you know artists like bondage fruit or dune or Waidoya and you know we're talking bands that really probably have over the course of time only been listened to by you know, maybe, maybe up to ten thousand people globally. Like they're not household names. Um, it's fair to say, um, and also a lot of kind of like rocking opposition stuff, like you know, Henry Cow and Sam La Mama's Manor and uh, Etron Fou Le Leblanc and ba- bands like that. You know that I have an awful lot of time for, but I think you play them to to the average punter, and they will just 
be like, this this is just noise. What 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 is happening right now? Um, so yeah, probably that that's that's the closest I get to to liking something that everyone else hates. No, like, I really like the film Battleship, and I know it's not very well regarded, but like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but I think, do, do, do you like, I think the thing is, if you like it ironically, that doesn't count. No, if, like, if you I went and watched gen- it at the cinema you genuinely with my friends, just... I've got really fond memories yeah. of it. We laughed all the way through it. I'll tell you what's a film like that, that that's like that for me. Um, the failed will smith vehicle wild wild west oh i just i distinctly remember going to see that at the cinema it was cashing in off the back of the popularity of uh men in black um and i I went to see it with my brother we would have been i don't know i'd have to guess at this but maybe like i I would have been like 10 or 11 maybe Mm mm-hmm and it was one of my first ever like trips to the cinema with just me and my brother, no adult supervision. Um, and we had a great time. Ha- you know? Have I ever told you about the mummy bet? No. What's that? Uh, me. One. So my two closest friends, Jamie and Chris, when we were growing up, I can't remember exactly what the initial bet was over. But I lost what came to be known as the mummy bet. And what it was, was whenever you're watching TV and channel hopping, if the film The Mummy, The Mummy 2, The Mummy 3 or The Scorpion King were on, you weren't allowed to change the channel and had to watch it to completion. (laughs) So you might catch the final five minutes. You might be sitting down for nearly two hours. Because those films were on every Sunday afternoon for about eight years. <laughs> and here's the thing. I've not seen any of them. Oh. Well, I, I, I curse you, David, with the mummy bet. I, I, I exercise my demons and I supplant the mummy bet onto you. All right. Okay, fine. I'll accept that. In fact, if anyone's listening to this... You've got the mummy bet now too. The curse has spread. <laughs> um, um, the other thing yeah, I hate so... that everyone seems to like: cauliflower cheese. Get in the bin. Mm. Cauliflower's grim. I don't know. What? What do I? What do I like, actively hate? That's the thing. It's uh, I, I'm I'm generally a very live and let live person. Um, I tell you what it is though. I think if I had to put my finger on anything, EastEnders. Ooh. You know what? Corey as well, but I at least get the impression that Corey can be funny sometimes. Yeah. And also, uh, on ran- doing some random uh, YouTube wanderings the other day, I saw a clip that someone had uploaded of. Uh, Corey casually dropping an Osric Tentacles reference, which which seems very out of the blue to me. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that amused me. But like, just grim soaps in general, I do not understand the appeal of them. Mm. I, at I all. might go for daytime TV soaps like Doctors. 
Right. Now, you see, I, I get that a little more. It's like, you know, wallpaper TV for the retired, where it's just... It's, it's like real life, but with all of the unpleasant bits sanded off. You know, so it's like from this, it's like broadcast from this little weird bubble universe where nothing terribly bad ever happens to anyone. I'm trying to think. I, um, I know two two things my mum, I was talking to my brother about this, two things my mum yeah. randomly hates without any explanation at all. Mm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. Like, we'd be watching it growing up. It was, like, one of the better TV yeah. programs. And she'd be, like, yeah, furious. Um, and <laughs> the actress, Melissa Joan Hart. My mum hates her. <laughs> like, we, you know, so when it, I must have been about 14, 15. And I would just put, yeah. like, CITV on in the background. I wouldn't be watching it. And yeah. it used to be on, like, MTV. Yeah. There'd just be a random email, uh, random email, a random episode of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and my mum would be like, yeah. "Oh, not that bitch again!" And I'd just be like, "What's your problem with <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart?" And she'd be like, "I hated her when she was Clarissa explaining it all, and I hate her now she's a teenage witch." Yeah, my mum just hates her. Wow. Does what's your mum like with sort of like American? culture generally no not that bad so like it's okay so it's not an anti-american thing because because i remember particularly growing up in the 90s my parents had this real kind of chip on their shoulder about american tv being dreadful compared to to proper Mm. british tv which i think like my you know my mum used to watch uh, things like friends when that was on at tea time right but again another thing she randomly hates the Simpsons. Oh. So let me get this straight. Your mum hates Buffy, The Simpsons, Doctor Who, and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll, I'll think of some others as we I, go. I'm going to be honest. I'm sure she's a lovely mum, but but what what few facts I have to go on from what you told me about her, you, she's not endearing herself to me with that list. Oh, like. <laughs> I don't think it stems outside of TV programs. But, like, there's yeah. no rhyme or reason to it, because, like I say, hates The Simpsons, doesn't mind King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, um, that's, a, that's an uh, odd, odd... That's a tricky one to, to get your head around, isn't it? Yeah. I, oh, well. Um... Right, we've got one more tweet because we've yeah. been going a while and we've accomplished absolutely nothing. We have. Uh, it, we... <laughs> yeah. it comes from Sonia, who simply says, "Who are your favourite actors and actresses, and what's your favourite film, show, or media they've been in?" Mine's Melissa Joan Hart, and my favourite thing she was ever in was Clarissa Explains It All. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Uh, genuinely, I'm not someone who's. I don't tend to like go out of my way to watch something just because someone I like from something else is in it. I'm not. I don't follow actors in that way. Um, I'm more likely to do that with, I guess, comedians. 
Yeah. But like for yeah. actors, I don't know. Who do I really like? Uh, know. You know, I, I could tell you, I could tell you who it was growing up. That's Peter Sellers. Oh, really? But yeah, because I mean, I, I really, I I had a phase when when it was my first. Looking back, it was one of my first major autistic special interests, and I'm and I'm not, you know, I I mean that on a on a, you know, I I am autistic, and I I genuinely do have very deep special interests that that go beyond the point of being reasonable. And one of the first of those was the Goon Show, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I collected every official recording I could get my hands on, you know, uh, where the, the, at the policy in the, in the 1990s was the BBC would put out double cassette, um, uh, like releases. And it would, sometimes it would be four episodes that were broadcast in, in order from a particular series. Sometimes it'd be four random ones. Occasionally it'd be like, you know, four Christmas specials all on one. Uh, and so it was like, part of it was like piecing together the, the like the order of transmission for these and like i i had like books and um when 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 we first got the internet basically all i would do is search for goon show uh, fan sites and like download it would take like three hours to download the lowest quality bit rates mm-hmm. uh like take you know tape of a tape of a tape converted into a low quality mp3 um to kind of fill in the gaps of the ones that hadn't been released by the bbc at that point um so yeah all if you're not familiar listeners by the way the goon show was a 1950s absurdist radio comedy um written by spike milligan and starring harry seacombe and uh, of course, Peter Sellers, who who of the three would would go on to have a major film career, and so I kind of fa- discovered it through my dad, who was a big Goon Show fan back in the day, and was also a huge fan of Peter Sellers, and in particular, uh, the Pink Panther films. So if I ever wanted like some quality bonding time with my dad, it would be um, throwing on a Peter Sellers film, and. I I haven't seen every single film that he's ever done, but I've seen a fair few of them, you know, not just the Pink Panthers, but also uh, The Party, which is uh, increasingly problematic (laughs) by modern standards. Um, But, you know, if you, Sean, from from that context, it is a very funny performance that he gives in that. and a personal favourite of mine, uh, The Mouse That Roared. Have you ever heard of that one, Matt? Nope, never heard of it. Yeah, uh, Peter Sellers plays, I think, three or four different parts in it, and it's a sort of whimsical anti-war film. <laughs> right. If you like. Um, it's uh, it's very charming, very of its time, but in a, in a very sort of charming, old-fashioned British way. Um yeah, I love Peter Sellers. I think his his versatility, his ability to go from very like cartoonishly comedic parts through to very serious dramatic roles, I think in many ways paved the ways 
for um, performers like Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, you know, actors like that, who would then also make the transition from from very heightened comedy to serious dramatic uh, work. Um, so yeah, but these days, I mean, in terms of like current like film stars and stuff, no, no, nobody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Honestly, couldn't give a toss. I, I'm more interested in like, is the script good? Is the premise interesting? Is it is it part of a franchise that I'm already invested in? It's those kind of considerations more than who's on the cast list. Yeah. Right. Um, we we've done nearly an hour. Should we should we do ten minutes yeah. on Torchwood? If we have to, Matt. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry to any of our listeners who genuinely are just here for the Torchwood chat. It is an afterthought at the moment because we do not enjoy doing that. Nah. Don't worry. Next week, soft reboot. In that, we might like Torchwood. Uh, who knows? Yeah. So we've got. I couldn't find Torchwood in your Apple Music library. Oh, thank God. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a relief at least, Matt. Yeah. So, two episodes this week, David. Yeah. To the last man, and then we'll get on to meat. Okay. Okay. So, we'll start with To the Last Man. It's episode three of series two from the 30th mm-hmm. of January 2008. Written by Helen Rayner, directed by Andy Goddard. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Least worst of the series so far. I don't. Um, I don't know. I I think Sleeper. Although the ending of Sleeper, I I thought it this week when we watched Meat, and we'll get onto that. They just don't know how to end yeah. episodes, do they? Oh, they don't. No. And often how to start them or what to do in the middle. Every every time <laughs> um, I watch Torchwood. I get to the end and I'm like, oh, right, there we go. Finally, a solid episode. And I move the mouse on my laptop and it reveals this quarter of an hour to go. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Like. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I liked this one. I, 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 I like these ones where they dip a toe into historical waters and try and do something a little more subdued. Um, we had a couple of examples in series one, and they were the highlights of that series, I think. This, I think, was probably... The, 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 the standout still is the one with the three people who've fallen through... Is that out of time? To the present. Out of time, yeah, that's the one. Is this not just that, a bit of a rehash of that? Oh, it definitely is, and it's and it is inferior uh, for a couple of reasons, but there was still there was enough in it that it made me think this this is okay. This is it. It, it was it didn't feel as um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was just more subdued. I like it when Torchwood like just settles down a little bit and trusts its audience. The thing is, so obviously the main character is Tosh for this episode. Yeah. And I know I've already referenced it in this episode, but 
it made me think of you know when you watch The Simpsons and Marge is the main character for an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it was I, I just get like what you're that. I was just that. like, oh right, I'm not really that invested to be honest. Yeah, it's like I, it certainly when when it when it was like, oh hey, guess what, everyone, we're doing a Tosh episode this week. I was a little bit like, oh, do we have to? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Let's run yeah. through this. I've got the briefest of brief notes. Let's do it. So, two people okay. are investigating something. It turns out it's ghosts in 1918. Uh, there's loads yeah. of shell-shocked soldiers in a hospital, and it, this is where we realise Tosh is there with Tommy. He tells yeah. them to take him away because the people that are investigating the ghosts are Torchwood from the past. Yeah. Honestly, just give me an episode of that. Just give me... Give the regular cast a rest for a week and give us an episode that is Torchwood in, you know, late 1800s or the 1950s or, you know, whenever. Just, yeah, I'd be well up for that. Wouldn't you, Matt? I mean, it'd be better than this mess. Yeah, it would be, it'll be so fun, I think, to do that. But they don't. Right. It turns out. It turns out. I, I got really excited because I thought we were going to like keep flashing back to them, but they're, like, they're barely in it. Old Torchwood. Yeah. Big finish. I'll have done about 18 box sets of them. So I'm pretty sure they... I don't know if it's those specific ones, but they definitely have done some period Torchwood stuff. Right. So, yeah. Modern Torchwood have Tommy in cryo-freeze. They want to defrost him just to make sure he still works. And when he comes out, he seems to know who Tosh is. Uh, Yeah. I, I will, small writing criticism, but I thought it was a bit too on the nose calling him Tommy. Sm- Wasn't it? Small writing criticism, giving Tosh any lines. <laughs> right. She's she's just yeah. not great. Um, so they feed him, and it turns out they do this once a year, because Jack says yeah. inevitably they're going to need him, because 1918 and the future begin to fuse together Thanks to a time shift. Now, I, I'm no expert on bootstrap paradoxes, but if that happens, it's already happened, and we know it didn't happen, so it's fine. <laughs> it, it's one way to look at it, yeah. Yeah. There's a temporal locked box that will only open when a certain frequency comes out of the rift. Uh, Tosh and Tommy go for a day out. I mean, it doesn't look much fun. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I it, to be honest, I was stealing myself for when they said, "Oh, you know, we're just gonna go and go and see a film." And yeah, it, uh, I was fully expecting it to do hard cut to them just going at it like rabbits, mm. because that's the usual Torchwood way, isn't it? So it was sort of cute how how kind of chaste it was. Yeah. At least initially. Uh, Gwen, go. this sounds ridiculous when I read it out loud, but this is part of the episode. Mm. Gwen goes to the hospital to look for 1918. <laughs> she does, though. Yeah. That's what she's there for. She meets a one-legged man yeah. who disappears as Jack arrives. Mm-hmm. Tommy sees yeah. footage of the Iraq conflict. And 
you know, it, it, I suppose it's a nice sentiment that, you know, he fought in the war to end all wars, but it just keeps going on and on and on. Yes, yeah, I would say that's... Doctor Who itself has subsequently done that, I think, more elegantly yeah. than this does. But it's, you know, it's worth it's worth remembering. It was, it was a fucking horrible war. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we really should, you know, it's good to have a reminder one way or another every night so yeah. often. Um, I, I did like the scenes in the hospital. It gave me, like, proper sapphire and steel vibes, mm. you know. Very uh, low-budget, ghostly horror, it, you know, very British and very cold and sterile. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it definitely had that flavour to it, uh, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. So Tommy gets a funny headache and Jack sees a man in a wheelchair as the hospital gets knocked down. Now, I, I've spoken to the boys from Who Can Convince You about this. Because I think yeah. I'm right in saying one of the reasons cryogenic freezing doesn't work is water expands when it freezes. So if you put your head in the freezer, uh, your brain just gets turned into a mush because the water expands. I thought that's yeah. what was happening to Tommy. But it turns out I'm more <laughs> educated on matters than Helen Rayner. Yeah. Um, yeah. A ghost nurse can see Gwen... Tosh and Tommy have a little kiss, but her phone rings just as they're about to run off and have sex. Uh, it turns out destroying the hospital is what causes the time shift. So Tosh and Owen put up some sensors in the hospital. And there is a nice through line where Owen warns Tosh because he's been in this exact situation thanks to some lazy writing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's nice that we haven't completely forgotten about that, mm. I think. Um, Bern Gorman, to me, remains the only genuinely decent performer in the core cast. Yeah, yeah. Like, anything, whenever he's on screen, like, I buy it in a way that I just don't with anyone else on this show. Yeah, I'm certain it's in the next episode he's, like, better noticeably than everyone else. Yeah, no, he's he he is basically... He's acting like he's in a better show than he is. Uh, Owen and uh, Gwen deduce that the time shift is happening now. And as they work that out, Jack sees the temporally locked box open and it's got a letter inside it. It's instructions for Tommy and Tosh, but the instructions state that closing the rift will lock him back in 1918. And this whole time, they had a rift manipulator. Why didn't they use that sooner? They just whipped that yeah, out just, halfway yeah, through. A stitch in time and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, the letter states, Tommy dies three weeks after they send him back. There's a firing squad. He's executed for cowardice because when they send him back, he regains all his memories and becomes shell-shocked again. Uh, Tosh won't send him back, but Jack says, well, you bloody will. So they give him one night before sending him back. I, yeah. The other thing about this is... The other criticism I think I have with it as a story is... Unfortunately, there is no jeopardy. There are emotional stakes 
for Tosh and Tommy in that, you know, they have this sort of connection that that has to be sacrificed for the greater good. That's always, you know, that can that's a, a resonant thing you can get your teeth into. But for a sci-fi show where you're talking about a potentially, like, disastrous world-ending thing, it's just like, well, no, of course they're just going to do it. And, like... We're not. We're, of course, we're not gonna find a third way, and and suddenly Tommy's just hanging around in the twenty first century. You know, maybe they could have done that. It would have been more interesting. But like, it just seemed very much like from the first scenes when they set up that they needed this guy in order to stop this potentially. Tommy is essentially the MacGuffin of this story, mm. right? And and it's just like, inevitably, we're gonna he's gonna fulfill his purpose, fix it, and then he's gone. And so there's just no stakes from that point on. If you've ever seen any other story ever, <laughs> but also the emotional stakes. I've just been conditioned that like something bad will happen, but don't worry, Torch would just struggle on anyway. Yeah, that uh, Captain Jack will stare grimly. Off into the distance. Yeah. Maybe. And then, Do you remember that one time he just to... inexplicably stood on top of a building, really sad? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's still, to this day, one of the fi- things I find most baffling about Torchwood as a show is that you take this campy, larger than life action hero character from a from a kids tv show and you're like we're going to do a spin off with him great what's it going to be it's going to be this gritty adult drama that's full of sex and blood and guts <laughs> and we're going to make him really depressed and brooding yeah. it's like what, what are we doing this is not this is not what captain jack should be yeah, it, as a character it'd be like if there was a spin-off from The Lion King and Timon and Pumbaa were murderers. <laughs> you know, that, that's the analogy uh, I draw from it. Yeah, it, you're, you're not wrong. It's, 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 it baffles me. It truly baffles me. Anyway, let's let's wrap right. up this episode. Okay, so Tommy to can one. spend the night with Tosh before he gets sent back. Uh, Jack and Ianta have a little smooch, and the next morning they mm. all go to send Tommy back. Except Tommy runs off. Uh, yeah. He explains that Torchwood are deciding his fate like World War One generals, and it means his life means nothing. Uh, he and Tosh do a magic hug that sends them back to nineteen eighteen. Uh, back to the start of the episode. So we've got sort of... We're closing the loop on what we've seen. From we are. We are. Okay. Uh, Tommy sees Torchwood take him in the past and he takes his own place. So he gets back into bed. Uh, the rift goes a bit mad because Tommy's not used the key. So I didn't really understand this bit at all. This is what I mean where we don't know how to end an episode. Uh, I'll read my notes verbatim. They plan to mm-hmm. shoot Tosh back in time into Tommy's brain. Don't really understand. Yeah, that. it's it's just she's got like little she's got like a little head thing. 
Yeah. You know, she's sitting in the chair, head thing, wires. Puts a colander on her head. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it before. Right. He uses the key. Jack thanks Tosh. The end. Yeah. I, I did find it very disappointing. It's got this very sort of elaborate steampunky um, prop that they've put together for this story. And it's literally, he just sort of like opens it about a quarter of the way. There's a little bit of CGI dust and then he closes it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, 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 it lacked, it lacked pizzazz, I think. For such a fancy looking prop, what they actually do with it felt a little lacklustre. Yeah. But anyway. Right, shall we move into meat? Yeah, go on. Okay, so this is episode four from season two. Yeah. From the 6th of February, 2008. Yeah. This one's written by Catherine Tregana so, and directed by Colin Teague. So, Matt, you were saying, you know, that having a Tosh episode felt a little bit like when you get a Marge episode of The Simpsons. How did you feel when you found out we were having a Reese episode? Just... Is this the worst of the series? <sighs> Um, it's that bad. I can't even remember what episode yeah. one was this series. Kiss, kiss, bang, well, That bang. was the one with Spike from Buffy. Oh, yeah. I think that was worse than this. Yeah, maybe. That that was really bad. And also, just generally, possibly one of the worst series openers of any show I've ever seen. Yeah, this... <laughs> like... that that was kind of just stultifyingly poor Um, and also the more I think back to it the worse it seems to get in my head oh wow this this to me was just sort of typically just sort of your bog standard level of torchwood shitness to me you know basically the, the team are uh, horny and incompetent. Captain Jack is a bad boss and a hypocrite. <laughs> and, you know, um, and it feels for a moment like it's trying to make a point about something, but ultimately doesn't seem to be saying much about anything. Yeah. Like, what is, is this episode actually saying anything about the meat industry? Or is it just trying to? I don't know. It was 2008 around the time that it, there was that scandal that broke that most meat was horse and stuff like that. Yeah, possibly. You know, you were possibly getting that's fox what lasagna were from Tesco and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. <sighs> anyway. It's all right. We've got one episode to go and then we can go home. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice. We open with Reese driving to an accident. Um, I had no idea he was yeah. a manager of a haulage firm. Uh, no, I think they have purposefully never been specific about what his job is, other than he has to wear a shirt. Yeah. So that they could sort of cash that check at a later date. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think if, if, if they'd had different discussions in the writer's room, he might have been, you know, a middle manager for some evil corporation mm. or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were just, yeah, purposefully leaving it vague until they had a story. 
So yeah, his driver has died whilst hauling a lorry full of meat. Um, but not just any meat, because Torch would arrive to investigate. And Reese yeah. spots Gwen. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Okay. Uh, Torch would confiscate the meat as Reese watches. Uh, they call Reese, and it turns out that the meat company have no details. So he's supposed to log certain information when driving for companies, but they've not done it for this company. Uh, mm. The meat is, of course, alien. So Gwen goes home to yeah. Reese, who questions her. Uh, she plays dumb, and when she leaves to go back to work, he follows her and sees her link arms with Jack. Oh, no. Um, everybody mm-hmm. drives to the slaughterhouse. Reese is following Gwen and Jack, and he's immediately spotted. Watching on, Gwen and Jack assume this is because he's somehow involved and a bit dodgy. At this point, it's all kind of like very peep show, isn't it? It's just a lot of lot of easily untangled misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah. like sure it looks bad, but yeah. you wouldn't assume your fiance is yeah. involved in alien meat dealing, would you? No. Yeah. Um, it turns out there's loads of alien meat. So, Reese says he wants in to replace his driver's criminal role, obviously just to investigate what's going out. He knows that Gwen's involved. Uh, so, the bad meat men show him a giant steak slug. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was... Uh, certainly when you see it a bit later, it just looks like a giant shoe to me. Yeah. it Just, just a big leather shoe. Yeah, it... I don't know what it's yeah. meant to be. I was like, is it one of the whales um, from Beast Below? No, it isn't. Well, the whole the whole thing is very... I, I have to think, uh, say credit where it's due, I think this predates Beast Below. Okay. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I feel like we're still in sort of arse end of Tenant era rather than early days of Matt Smith. Right. Um. I would have to double check the dates to to say that definitively, but uh, but anyway, th- there are definitely strong parallels mm. um, between the two in that respect. Yeah, both these Torchwood episodes are just ripping off different. One's even ripping off another Torchwood episode. <laughs> right, it continues to look to Torchwood that Reese is dodgy. Uh, when he goes home, yeah. Gwen and Reese have a big argument, but finally tell each other the truth. So she agrees to him being the man on the inside. She's going to take him to Torchwood. And we see the pterodactyl. We were missing it last week. Hey, yeah. Glad that they've not completely retconned him then. The team Um, all say hello. Uh, Jack and Reese have a little argument. And then Jack just goes, this is a bit homoerotic, isn't it? Like, is 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 Torchwood funny? And is it supposed to be funny? Because I think the answer to both it's of those definitely... is no, but maybe yes. It definitely tries to be. There's a scene in this, I don't know whether we passed it or not, where they visit Reese's office and it goes like full carry-on for a minute. The, the little exchange between Jack and uh, Reese's secretary. Where what, she's like... What, what has she been says, in? I recognise oh, you do. I don't know. 
it was just that line where she's like, um, oh, you get your license and then you can go long distance. And Jack's like, oh, trust me, that won't be a problem. And she just does a face directly to camera like, whoo! Like, like it's it's really, it's one Kenneth Williams away from being a carry-on film at that point. Uh, she's called, the actress is called Patty Clare and she was in Coronation uh-huh. Street. I might recognise her from that. Uh, she hasn't really there you go. done anything else. Uh, she was in an episode of Strange But True. Uh, <laughs> right. So, Tosh tries to be nice to Owen. They've got a bit of a kinship now that they've both been in love with people that have fallen through time to the past. Uh, yeah. What a thing to be able to bond over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reese leads Torchwood to the slaughterhouse slash alien warehouse where you just see a man with a hatchet just slacking, uh, just hacking at the big slug. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I like yeah. that. It's not pleasant. Uh, no. This I is mean, the, uh, to be fair, I don't think you meant to. But, this is yeah. the best line ever in Torchwood ever. Okay. Where Captain Jack puts his hand on a big sad slug and says, what have they done to you, my poor friend? <laughs> Give him the Oscar. Barrowman's back big time, baby. I'm going to just say it. I don't think John Barrowman is good at acting. No. I think he... I think he was extremely well cast for Captain Jack in his appearances in Doctor Who. Yeah, as happy swashbuckling Captain Jack. Yeah. Because because obviously that is not a stretch for Barrowman. That's kind of that's the persona that he likes to inhabit. But here, where he's trying to be brooding man of mystery, it is so like his line readings suddenly get really wooden. The more serious a line you give him, the less convincingly he delivers it. Ah, uh, every week when I hear it, where it's like. Torchwood, we're here to look after the world. The future is coming and you have to be ready. Yeah. Every time I hear that, a part of my soul dies. <laughs> okay. Right. Let's crack the on. The bad guys trap Reese and Dianto, and Reese gets shot when Gwen intervenes. Uh, the big yeah. slug goes mental, and Owen injects it. You think he's giving it something to placate it, put it out of its pain. Yeah. Uh, it's just he just mercy kills it. He just euthanizes it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a couple of things to unpack here. For one, um, with the whole getting Reese in on on the mission. Like I get that it was an advantage that they had that they they had an in. But. The fact that he gets... They pair him up with Ianto, first of all, don't they? Yeah. Who is a secretary, sure. let's not forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the least experienced member of the team has recently started doing field missions, but was, as we were introduced to him in season one, essentially, you know, doing a clerical job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no aspersion on cler- clerical workers. I am one myself. But... <laughs> I, I don't I don't expect to be doing any sort of special ops anytime soon. No. 
Um, so that's weird. Secondly, I'm pretty sure if a civilian volunteers to like cooperate with the police in some kind of sting operation, um, in addition to being protected by an armed officer, they'll probably also like give them a bulletproof vest to wear. You'd certainly hope so. <laughs> You'd hope so, wouldn't you? None of that consideration with Torchwood. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, just fling him in front of the... And also, the other thing that I was going to mention, the other bit of just complete malpractice here, is um, early on, Jack says to Gwen, uh, you're, you're, you're off the case, you're too close to this, you know, with your connection to Reese. And Gwen's like, nah, I, I don't want to be. And then Jack said, yeah, all right, then. Yeah. <laughs> you taught me round. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, no, your first instinct was correct, Jack. In, in any kind of genuine sort of police operation, if one of the potential suspects of a crime is the fiancé of one of the officers... That officer is not involved in the investigation from that point on. Yeah, but... You know... Oh, God. It, anyway... Nothing this team does makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, anyway... Um, Owen kills the big sentient shoe. Yeah. Uh, Tosh comforts him because he's seemingly really sad. Uh, oh, yeah, that's been a runner in this episode that we've not we've not touched on in that that uh, Tasha's immediately gotten over Tommy again and is back to jonesing after um, Owen. And Owen is comically oblivious to her advances. Well, after he's really upset about killing the big shoe, he's immediately fine back at Torchwood HQ. Uh, Yeah. And again, Gwen has to memory wipe Reese, And she just goes, nope. Jack says, yeah, all right then. End of episode. <laughs> yeah. Right, who's really in charge here? Uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, they just... Torchwood's working practices both baffle and concern me every week. Mm. Um, they, it just... It, it's a very poorly run organisation. Like, the, the government just needs to dissolve it. Yeah, they do. Especially, and, and also, like, what is going on with Ianto? If if he's now going out on all the field operations, who is back at base answering the emails and doing the spreadsheets? Yeah. Who is it? I don't know. Yeah. Is Torchwood, are they specifically in Britain? Because didn't we have Torchwood 1 and there was another one away somewhere? Yes, they're they're a British organisation because they're founded by Queen Victoria, if you recall. Yeah, I remember that bit. So are they just a domestic version of UNIT? A UNIT like Interpol? Yeah, UNIT are are, uh, supposed to be international. um, In in Yuhu, they get referred to as the United... Mm. um, Intelligence Task Force. It was originally the UN. Yeah. Um, until the UN complained and asked Doctor Who to kindly not. Um, yeah. Uh, refer to them in that organisation. So, um, 
yeah, they've always been established as international, though it's very, very rare that we actually see any international representatives of units. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd just think, do we need Torchwood? No. I mean, definitely not. It's... I mean, at the end of the day, R2D wanted to do a spin-off. And so he, he teed it up, and uh, this is what we got. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, it's like everyone's so excited at the moment with R2D being back, and he's making all of these noises about how we need more Doctor Who spin-offs. And I'm just sat here thinking... You know, the best indicator know, though, of future like, behaviour is past behaviour. This is what we've dealt with yeah. in the past. Is this what we're going to be fed yeah. in the future? If we get, if we're getting, if we're getting a unit spin-off, say, under RTD, I would really hope that he goes for a different tone. Mm. You know, I mean, there is a perfect blueprint for it already with the uh, big finish unit audios, which are are I think really really solid. They've got a good good tone to them. That's very fitting. It feels, it just feels in in I in a much better way than what Torture manages. It feels like Doctor Who when the Doctor's not here, and you've just got humans having to make the best they can with the resources they've got available. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, I'm ranting. I'm what ranting. have we got we, next week? We just week? need to draw a line. Oh, next fortnight. What have we got next week? More Torchwood, unfortunately. Adam and Reset. So more one-word titles there. Right. Adam and then Reset. Reset. Is it Freaky Adam, the boy with the hole in his head? No, I'm pretty sure he never makes a comeback on screen. Right. I'm just going to do a quick Google just to say... Uh, no, it doesn't look like it's the same, Adam. Right. Okay. Right. Well, some so anyway, uh, <laughs> I look forward to talking to you again, Matt. Yeah, yeah. always That's a pleasure. Uh, it's just a yeah. shame it's in such circumstances. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, and uh, do join us for that, listeners. But until next time, as always, thanks for listening and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.